Innalhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abiduhu wa rasuluh amma ba'd So then last time we began the chapter of fasting and the things that we discussed so far were the meanings of the word fasting what is the meaning of the word sawm and sayam we also spoke about the methods by which the month of Ramadan can be determined to have entered and we also spoke about whom the fasting is obligatory upon. <clears throat> whom the fasting is obligatory upon. The next chapter now we're going to move on to is Bab fi bad isayam al wa nihayatihi. The chapter regarding the beginning of the fasting day and the end of it. When does fasting begin in the morning and when does it end in the evening? And what are some of the things mentioned in the sunnah about those two times? In the Quran, Allah mentions, وَكُلُوا in the ayah it mentions eat and drink until the white line becomes apparent from the black line of fajr and that, as we've discussed previously, is referring to the true dawn when the light appears across the horizon. So you can eat up until then. That is the closing time when Fajr time enters. When the light appears horizontally across the horizon. Then it says, complete that fasting, carry on that fasting up until the night. The night begins at the time of Maghrib. So that fasting continues up until Maghrib. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, هَذِهِ رُخْصَةِ مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَ لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ وَرَفَعَ وَرَفْعٌ لِمَا كَانَ عَلَيْهِ الْأَمْرِ فِي ابْتِدَاءِ الْإِسْلَامِ فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ إِذَا أَفْطَرَ أَحَدُهُمْ إِنَّمَا يَحِلُّ لَهُ الْأَكْلُ وَشُرْبُ الْجِمَاعِ إِلَى صَلَاةِ الْعِشَاءِ أَوْ يَنَامْ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ فَمَتَى نَامْ أَوْ صَلَّى الْعِشَاءِ حُرِّمَ عَلَيْهِ الطَّعَامُ وَالشَّرَابُ وَالْجِمَاعُ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ الْقَابِلَةِ فَوَجَدُوا مِنْ ذَلِكَ مَشَقَّةً كَبِيرَةً فَنَزَلَتْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةُ ففرحوا بها فرحا شديدا حيث أباح الله الأكل والشرب الجماع في أي الليل شاء الصائب 
إلى أن يتبين ضياء الصباح من صواد الليل ابن كثير رحمه الله تعالى mentions originally he says originally the ruling about fasting used to be different originally when they used to open the fast at maghrib time they were allowed to carry on eating and drinking till not all the way till fajr originally it was only till isha time between maghrib and isha that was the time allowed to eat after that you're fasting again all the way till next maghrib so you could only eat in that small slot between maghrib and isha initially originally that was obviously difficult upon the people so then this ayah was revealed highlighting that the ruling is you can eat and drink and do those affairs all the way till fajr the whole of the night so then the ruling became this that your fast is open from maghrib all the way till fajr whereas initially it used to be maghrib till isha only so that is what this ayah was revealed about to highlight that the ruling is your fast is open all the way from maghrib till fajr fatabayyana min al-ayah al-karima tahdid as-sawm al-yawmi bidayatan wa nihayatan fabidayatuhu min tulu' al-fajr al-thani wa nihayatuhu ila ghurub al-shams so this ayah in surah al-baqarah highlights to us highlights to us when the fasting begins and when it ends begins at the time of fajr ends at the time of maghrib wa fi ibahatihi ta'ala al-akl wash-shurb ila tulu' al-fajr dalilun ala istihbab al-suhur the fact that you are allowed to eat and drink all the way up until the fajr time enters this indicates that it is mustahab to have the suhoor it is mustahab to have the suhoor in the morning prior to the fajr time entering there is a hadith in al-bukhari in sahih muslim also hadith of anas radiyallahu anhu qal qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam tasahharu فَإِنَّ فِي السُّحُورِ بَرَكَةً Have the suhoor. Have the suhoor in the mornings because there is baraka in the suhoor. Have the suhoor because there is baraka in the suhoor. And there are many narrations in the sunnah that encourage the Muslim to make sure that he has the suhoor meal in the morning. ورد في الترغيب بالسحور آثار كثيرة ولو بجرعة ماء even if you get up before fajr and you have a drink of water you have a glass of water even that counts as suhur and you get the baraka of it even if it's just a glass of water and it is sunnah to have the suhur as late as possible before the fajr time starting 
It's a mistake what people do, especially in these times of days when the Isha is late. They have a meal, for example, after Taraweeh, midnight, 1 a.m. They have a meal and that's it, they go to bed. They think, what's the point of trying to wake up at 3 o'clock? Eat now after Taraweeh, midnight, 1 o'clock, big meal, that's it, don't get up again. That's wrong. Suhoor isn't supposed to be like that. Suhoor is supposed to be just before Fajr. So if the Fajr time enters at 3 o'clock, your Suhoor should be just before that, 2.45 or something. Just before the entry time of the Fajr, you have your Suhoor at the end. Why should we have the Suhoor? What is the meaning of there being Baraka in the Suhoor? Scholars have said one of the reasons is because that meal or that snack that you have just before Fajr, it will give you some energy all the way throughout the day. That late snack, that late meal just before the close time will give you energy for the day. And you need some energy to do your worship, to recite the Quran, to pray, to do other things of worship in Ramadan. You need to have some energy. So having that late meal just before the closing time is something which helps you upon your ibadah, helps you upon your worship for the day. Also, the Jews, when they used to fast, they never used to have suhoor. It was their sunnah to have no suhoor when they do it. Their method was no suhoor. So the Muslims oppose their method in fasting and we have suhoor. So do not imitate those others not having suhoor in the morning. The way of the Muslims is to have the suhoor in the morning. Another issue mentioned here is, if a Muslim wakes up in the morning, wakes up in the morning, before the Fajr time enters, so let's say now, these days, what's it going to be, about 3 a.m. or something, huh? maybe 3 a.m. or whatever it's going to be, or 4 a.m. or whatever it's going to be the time these days. Let's say somebody wakes up just before that close time. And they have impurity upon themselves. Meaning they had intercourse the night, during that night. And so they wake up and they are upon impurity. They haven't made ghusl yet. They had intercourse during that night. Or they had a wet dream during that night. And they wake up and they are upon impurity. They haven't made a ghusl yet. Or a woman was on her period and it happens to finish just before the Fajr time, just before the close time. So now, what does this person do? This person could think to himself that I've got 10 minutes left before the close time. If I go do my ghusl now, I'm going to miss the suhoor. You're going to end up missing the suhoor. So what does he do? Does he just sit down and have the suhoor? And then that'll take him 10 minutes, the close time starts. So now he's fasting. And he hasn't even made the ghusl yet from his janaba. So can he have his suhoor and then go make the ghusl after he started fasting? Or is it a condition you need to make the ghusl before the fast starts, even if you miss the suhoor? Which one? 
So you can start the fasting without a ghusl even. You're on janaba. I know about it. You only got five or ten minutes. You got one option or the other. Either suhoor or ghusl. Suhoor. So he's not going to make the ghusl. Do that after the fasting starts. Correct. So in that situation, you can sit down and eat. And then afterwards, go make a ghusl, even if the fast has started. It's not a condition you have to have made the ghusl before the fasting starts. But obviously the suhoor, you can't have that after the fasting starts. You can't go and do the ghusl and then have the suhoor after the time starts. The fasting time closes. But the other way around you can. You can eat the food first and then do your ghusl after the fast has started. That's okay. So you should sit down and eat and then go do your ghusl even after the time of the fasting has now begun. When does a person have to make the intention for the fast? Can you make one intention at the beginning of Ramadan for the whole of Ramadan? Or do you have to make an intention every day? Every day? You can't just make one intention at the beginning of Ramadan. How old are you? Seven? Did you fast last year? Any days? You did some full days? MashaAllah. How many can you remember? 24 full days. And you were six. So this year you got to do all of it. InshaAllah. If anybody catches him eating during the day this year, let us know. So, hmm. Every night or once at the beginning of the month? So, this is a difference of opinion. But many of the scholars, they say that you should make your intention every night. Every night before the Fajr, make your intention for the next day of fasting. That doesn't mean that you have to say anything. doesn't mean you have to stop for a minute and say, I'm making my intention to fast tomorrow. don't have to do that. But in your mind, you know. you got the intention in your mind, I'm going to fast tomorrow. You put your alarm on to wake up, why do you do that? Because you've got the intention in your mind to fast tomorrow. These actions indicate you have that intention. So you should make the intention every night for the fast of the next day. They used to wake up, of course, every day. They used to wake up for the Fajr. They had the intention to wake up and they used to wake up. So you have that intention to wake up the next day, to have your suhoor, to fast. That intention should be from every night. وَيُسْتَحَبْ تَعْجِيلَ الْإِفْطَارِ Then, once you fasted the whole day, it comes to Maghrib time, it is sunnah to open your fast as soon as Maghrib time starts. Not do what many people do, like on the Maghrib time, 
it happens, Maghrib time happens, they say just wait about five minutes. Or wait about two or three minutes. Let's just be sure, let's be certain, just wait a few minutes, wait five, ten minutes, let it get a bit dark, then we'll eat, just in case. Be sure. That is incorrect. It is against the Sunnah to do that. Uh, the Shia do that. As soon as the Maghrib time happens, the Adhan for Maghrib happens, and it is the actual Maghrib time, open your fast. You don't delay it. Don't say, but let's just wait, make sure, don't want to take the risk of being a minute early. When the time happens, and it is the right time, then open your fast. It is Sunnah to open the fast without delay. There is a hadith of Sahal ibn Sa'ad, radiyallahu anhu, أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَالْ لَا يَزَالُ النَّاسُ بِخَيْرٍ مَا عَجَّلُوا الْفِطْرِ The people will remain upon goodness as long as you have your iftar quick, meaning you don't delay it. When the time comes, you have your iftar straight away. You open your fast straight away. And that is a hadith which is muttafaqun alayh in al-Bukhari and Muslim. And it's also in another hadith, إِنَّ أَحَبَّ عِبَادِ أَعْجَلُهُمْ فِطْرًا That the most beloved of the servants to me, Allah says, the most beloved of the servants to me are the ones who have their iftar the earliest time, meaning the beginning time, as soon as Maghrib occurs. They have their iftar, they open their fast, and they don't delay. Incorrect, yes. The narrations they say about delaying the suhoor, so have it just at the closing time, and hasten with the iftar as soon as Maghrib happens, take it straight away. That is from the sunnah, and that is the way to do it. What are you supposed to open your fast with? Dates and what? Five milliliters of water. Mm. Six. What if you're a big man like the sheikh? Then you need 600 milliliters. Ah. Dates. Okay, so the sunnah is to open your fast on moist dates. And you get some dates that are like watery, juicy. Open your fast on those types of dates, good. If you can't find those types of dates, then the normal dry dates, as long as there are some type of dates. And also it is mentioned water. Dates is the first thing. If you don't get any dates, then water. And it doesn't have to be six mil. Six mil is just a drop. That's like a drop. You need to have a bit more than six mil. So you can have some water, a cup of water, Something to open your fast with. And that is mentioned in the hadith also of Anas. Radiallahu anhu. Kana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yuftiru qabla an yusalli ala rutabat. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to open his fast before praying Maghrib on moist dates. Fa illam takun rutabat fatamarat. And if you never had the moist kind of dates, then normal, dried, average type of dates. فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَمَرَاتٍ And if he never even had any dates, 
Then hasa hasawat mimma. Then he would take a few sips of water. And then he would go and pray. And that's the other thing. It's a mistake. What everybody seems to do everywhere. You go in at the mosque at Maghrib time. And they've got a huge, like it's a wedding, mashallah. It's going to be a wedding at Maghrib time. All the food is laid out, the samosas, the kebabs and everything and the drinks. Some of them even rice and everything. Sit down for a meal. The adhan goes off and they sit down for a meal. Sit down, relax, have the full meal. Then they get up and pay Maghrib half an hour later, 40 minutes later. That isn't the sunnah. That's not how the sunnah is. That's not how the Prophet ﷺ used to do it. What you're supposed to do is, when the adhan happens, Maghrib time happens, you eat some dates or some water, have some dates and water, and then after the dates and the water or the dates or just the water, just open your fast with them, go and pray. Pray the Maghrib first. Then after you've prayed, you can sit down and have your meal. That is the way it should be done. That is how the scholars, they advise. Open your fast with some dates or some water. Then go and pray. Go and pray. Then come back and sit and relax and eat. And you'll notice, the scholars, they mention this too. There's a great wisdom behind dates in opening your fast. Especially those moist kind of dates. And you'll know it. When you've been fasting all day and you have some dates... A few dates and some water. Those dates and water, it's as if they instantly cover up the hunger. Those dates and water, they give you some instant energy. Enough for the hunger to disappear. Gives you enough to go and pray. And then you can come back afterwards and sit down and eat. The Prophet ﷺ used to open his fast with dates and water and go and pray. And sometimes he didn't even used to come back to eat. Dates and water was enough. That's it. Then later on maybe eat something. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would open his fast with dates and water, go and pray, and that's it. Wouldn't even come back to eat anymore. That's it. Later on maybe eat something. So if a person needs to eat something, the best thing is you open your fast, you pray, then go and sit down and relax and eat what you want to eat. وَهُنَا أَمْرٌ يَجِبُ التَّنْبِيهِ عَلَيْهِ وهو أن بعض الناس قد يجلس على مائدة إفطاره ويتعشى ويترك صلاة المغرب مع الجماعة في المسجد فيرتكب بذلك خطأ عظيم شيخ says it's a mistake if a person sits down at home sits down at home and starts eating a big meal and misses the maghrib prayer in the mosque that is wrong rather you should come and pray and then afterwards you can sit and relax and eat it is also sunnah to invite people for iftar. If you can invite people to your home, for example, you say to some people, come to my house, open your fast with me, then we'll go to the mosque and pray, then come back and we'll eat. If you do something like that, it's good. Because generally, opening the fasts of other people, there's a great reward in that. If you open the fast of somebody, you give them some dates from your own, what you bought, give some dates to other people, give some water to other people, invite them to your house, say, open in my house, then we'll go to the mosque. Doing that is good, and there is a great reward in doing that. And it's mentioned in the sunnah 
that there is a reward, you get a great reward if you open the fast of another person. You get some great reward for doing that. So that is something which can be done also. Often you see in the mosques these days, everybody does it in the mosque and it's laid out in the mosque and there's nothing wrong with that, you can do it, it's not prohibited. Everywhere the dates are laid out, even the haram you see the same thing on the fasting days. At the Maghrib time the dates will all be there, the water will all be there. And so everybody opens their fast and then they pray. In the mosques here in the UK they do the same thing. The only problem is the ones where they put a big meal out straight away like we just said. That should not happen until after the prayer. If you want to give some dates out in the mosque and then everybody opens their fast, then you pray, then the mosque wants to lay out some food for everybody afterwards, it's allowed. It's not prohibited, it's allowed. Scholars do mention it's allowed. Some of the scholars may say it's not something you should make a habit of. The mosque isn't a place of eating and drinking, it's a place of worship. But if you do it, it's not prohibited. Many of the scholars have said it's not prohibited, it's allowed to be done. But that should be after Maghrib then. If you're going to put some food out for the attendees, put it out after the prayer has been prayed. So that is good. That is good in terms of opening the fasts of other people. And there is a reward in opening the fasts of the other people. And so, so the Sheikh says, هَكَذَا يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يَتَعَلَّمَ أَحْكَامَ الصِّيَامِ وَالْإِفْطَارِ وَقْتًا وَصِفَةً حَتَّى يُؤَدِّيَ صِيَامَهُ عَلَى الْوَجْهِ الْمَشْرُوعِ الْمُوَافِقِ لِسُنَّةِ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم Every Muslim should learn the rulings of fasting and the rulings about the iftar, about the timings and about the characteristics and descriptions and rulings so that you can perform your fasting in the proper way legislated in the sunnah. وَحَتَّى يَكُونَ صِيَامُهُ صَحِيحًا وَعَمَلُهُ مَقْبُولًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And so that your fasting is proper. It is proper how it should be done and it is acceptable then. فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَهَمِّ الْأُمُورِ Because that is from the most important of affairs and it's mentioned in the ayah of the Qur'an about the importance of following the sunnah. Got a question? Is it allowed to break your fast with dates and fruits and, and water? Is it allowed to break your fast with dates and fruits? Which fruits? Apples, mangoes. Is it allowed? If you want. Is it allowed? Mm-hmm. It's allowed. You can get pizza and burgers if you want. It's allowed. You can open your fast with any food. Any halal food is allowed. Any halal food you open your fast with, no problem. It is allowed. Not even if you didn't have dates. This is a sunnah. Any food is allowed to open your fast with. The sunnah is, you want the reward, you want to practice the sunnah, you should open it with dates. Dates and water. 
But if you don't have any dates, you don't have any water, all you've got is your 12 inch pizza you've ordered already, then in that case you can have a bite, a slice or something and then pray. The point is when you open your fast, you can open it with any food. But the sunnah is you should open it with dates or water. That's what you should do. But it's allowed. It's allowed. There's no prohibition on any food. What if you don't like dates? You haven't tasted the good dates, that means. No, but I'm sure you haven't tasted the good dates. The, the juicy dates, you know, you get some dates. The rutab is what you're supposed to open your fast on. They're the juicy ones with the water and the juice in them. You have those types of dates. When you have them, then tell us if you don't like them. Oh. In that case, if you can get some dates, there are lots of different types of dates, you know, as well. Lots of different types of dates. Even if you don't really like them, if you can open your fast with them, you're implementing the sunnah. Maybe you don't like one type of dates, maybe there's a different type of dates you like. There might be some type of dates that you like. So if you can open your fast with some dates, that's good. If you absolutely cannot eat them, you have some real problem with them, then okay, I'll use some water, use some other food. But the sunnah is to have dates and there are so many different types of dates. You might like some other ones. you're allergic to dates then like we said you can use water instead open your fast with water and then other food if that be the case the next chapter we're gonna start now any questions up to there anything else we're gonna start the next chapter if the medication says the doctor says that's just the way it is if as your question states you got to have a particular medicine before any food in your stomach. If that's how it is, then okay, you open your fast with your medicine. <laughs> if that's how it is, that's how it is. If that's how it is. If there are medicines, that's what you have to do, then that's okay, no problem. You have your pill first, you've opened your fast now with that, and then you have your food on top of it. If that's what it has to be done medically, then okay, no problem with that. But in the haram, they don't give a meal. All you get in the haram is the dates, the bread, some hais, yeah, the yogurt, those basic things. And that's it. It's not, it's not a meal. But even if, let's say the haram gave a meal. Let's imagine they gave you chicken and rice, everything. Let's imagine. It would not be a proof. The religion, the proof isn't even the haram as a proof. Like for example, the adhan. The sunnah in the adhan is it should be flat and straight. That may not necessarily happen in certain mosques. So you don't use the practice of anyone as a proof. The proof is what is in the Quran, the Sunnah. But even five or ten minutes isn't a big problem because the Adhan up until Maghrib is going to be five or ten minutes anyway. Because the Sunnah is you're supposed to leave enough time for a person to pray two raka'at. That takes a few minutes if you're praying it properly carefully, a few minutes at least, four, five, six minutes. So that much you're supposed to leave anyway. Normal days outside of Ramadan too. The sunnah is to leave enough time that a person could pray two raka'at in between. So five or ten minutes is no big deal anyway. It's when the mosques sit down for 20 minutes, 50, uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, big meal, tidying up everything, then uh, Maghrib after all that. That's the problem.
We're going to talk about that in this chapter right now. So just wait a second, we'll do it now. It says, Bab fi mufsidat as The chapter regarding what things break your fast. What are the things that break your fast? Lissayam mufsidat yajibu ala al-muslim an ya'rifaha liyatajannabaha There are certain things that break your fast. So obviously every Muslim needs to know what they are so you can stay away from them. Number one, number one is intercourse. For those who know what that is, then you know. For those who don't, then you don't. Intercourse breaks your fast. So intercourse is impermissible during the fasting time. فَمَتَى جَامَعَ الصَّائِمِ بَطَلَ صَيَامِ so when an individual engages in intercourse, it nullifies his fast, breaks your fast. And you have to make up that day that you broke with intercourse during the day. And you have to give the expiation for it too. It's not just a case of making up the day if you break it with intercourse. You have to make up the day and you have to do things on top of that. You have to give the expiation. And the expiation is either freeing a slave or uh, either freeing a slave and then they mention about the price of it and things, but that doesn't matter for now. Freeing a slave. Freeing a slave or if you're not able to free a slave, you don't have the value or the money or the wealth to be able to free a slave or that's not possible then to fast two consecutive months that's the ruling if you engage in intercourse whilst you're fasting in ramadan then afterwards you gotta make up the day you gotta seek repentance ask forgiveness and you have to fast two months in a row every day for two months Scholars say, if you miss one day in those two months, then afterwards you got to start your two months again. It needs to be two months every day. You miss one day in between, some scholars they say you've broken your routine. You've got to start again until you do a full two month block in a row. If you can't do that, medical reasons, whatever reasons, you can't do two months in a row. Then in that case, you have to feed, you have to feed 60, 60 poor people. 60 poor people, you have to feed them with the average amount of the food that a person has in their, in their country, of the types of food that people have in their country, nisfu That's number one there. Intercourse is impermissible during fasting. Number two. Sixty people for a for I mean the amount is half a sa'ah, which is what? Fifty percent of what? Sa'ah is what? Four handfuls. So half a sa'ah, two handfuls. 
of rice, of whatever it is, a meal, basically one, one proper meal. One proper meal is roughly what it works out. It could work out even more than that. doesn't matter. As long as the food is bought. You don't give money out as long as the food is bought with that and given. The food must be given to the 60 poor people. Number two. Inzalu al-mani bisabab taqbil aw lams aw istimna aw tikrar nadar. Again, another one that those with slightly more age will understand, it is the release of seminal fluid. The release of seminal fluid, either through engaging in acts such as kissing, or physical intimate contact, or through repetitive uh, looking at something, or other means that are not uh, acceptable means. The release of seminal liquid through that manner, through these manners, through any of these reasonings, then it is something that breaks your fast. Seminal fluid released with some element of desire in that manner, through contact, intimate contact, kissing, looking, etc. Seminal fluid is ejaculated, then that breaks your fast. Breaks your fast also. And it is upon you to make up that day afterwards, but it is not upon you to have to do the rest of the expiation. That rest of the expiation is for actual intercourse. But if through intimate contact or foreplay, or these types of things, there was the release of the fluid, then you got to make up that day, but there is no expiation on it. That is number two. No. Wet dreams, the ruling is not the same. Wet dream, because the scholars, they say, it is something out of your control. It is something out of your control, so that does not. Hmm? Number three. The obvious thing. What breaks your fast? Eating and drinking. So eating and drinking on purpose breaks your fast. Eating and drinking and you forgot, does it break your fast? No. So a person who eats and drinks on purpose, it breaks his fast. And you will be a sinner. And you have to repent and seek forgiveness. And you got to make up that day. But if a person forgets, walks into the kitchen and starts eating, forgets that he's fasting, forgets. And then in the middle of eating, he remembers Today was Ramadan, I'm fasting. So then what do you have to do? He's eating the chocolate cake in the kitchen, then he remembers. So what does he have to do? Number one, stop eating immediately. If he was eating the chocolate gato, 
and he had the next spoon and then you remembered that spoon can eat it or not that's it you can't eat that one you can't think okay I just remembered now I'll have this last one <laughs> now your fast breaks if you do that now it's on purpose so that spoon you gotta drop you still got your last bite in your mouth are you allowed to swallow that one at least no even that one you gotta wash it out of your mouth you've remembered now you're fasting if you swallow that bite you got in your mouth you've eaten it on purpose now even that bite in your mouth you remembered now instantly stop don't swallow anymore wash it out you can't eat anymore now you've remembered so even that you got to clear it out and then the rest of the day does it count counts do you have to make it up afterwards though no, no? so as long as it is genuinely forgetfulness and you instantly stop and eat no more then it doesn't impact upon your fast and there is a hadith which mentions that man akala aw shariba nasiyan falyutimma sawma fa inma at'amahu Allah wa saqah whoever eats and drinks forgetfully then complete your fast because that is Allah who has brought you those provisions also things that break your fast from eating and drinking is if water gets into your body through your nose if nose water goes in through your nose and into your body breaks your fast water you can suck it up your nose and it can go into your body if that happens it will break your fast so this is also one of the things. That's why when you make wudu during fasting and you're washing your nose and your mouth out, should you gargle the water? You shouldn't in fasting. Put the water in your nose and mouth to clean it out, but don't tip over and start gargling because that will often lead to some of it ending up going down your throat. And if that happens, then you got a problem. So you're not supposed to do it exaggerated when making the wudu during the fasting. Because if water goes in, it will break your fast. Same when you're having a shower. You're having a shower, you're not paying attention and um, you're just doing it everywhere and the water is going in and it starts going in through your nose and you start swallowing it. Breaks your fast. If it is completely unintentional, then some of the scholars say it doesn't. You were genuinely being careful having a shower or something and some of it went in. Some of them say, some of the scholars say that it doesn't break your fast if it was genuinely completely unintentional. But still, you're supposed to be super careful then when you're having a shower, when you're uh, making wudu, that water doesn't go in through your mouth and nose. Same when you're brushing your teeth. You're allowed to brush your teeth when you're fasting. You're allowed to use toothpaste if you need to. Better to avoid it, but you're allowed to. But even if you're brushing your teeth when you're washing your mouth up, be very careful. Don't allow the water to be swallowed. So that would break your fast. No, you don't. You should not. When you're making the wudu and you're fasting, don't do the full gargling and everything. Take the water in and out, but not the full type of gargling because that is a risk. And the hadith says, don't do that. The hadith says, don't do it. So why are you asking if it's permitted? The hadith says, don't do it. So you don't do it. There is no need 
to then question regarding its permissibility or not. The hadith says do not exaggerate in taking the water in because of the risk. The risk of that water then going down into the throat etc. So that should not be done when you're making your wudu during the fasting. Saliva. What if you swallow your saliva? That. Does it break your fast? You know when you got saliva in your mouth and you swallow it. The saliva, the spit. And you swallow it from your mouth. Does it break your fast? Swallowing your spit. It's in your mouth, it's not in your body. You're making it go in your body, in your stomach. Correct, so that doesn't break your fast. The saliva, you swallow it down, that doesn't break your fast. Yeah, so toothpaste, that's why the scholars, they say, if it is a very strong flavored toothpaste, that you should definitely avoid. Normal toothpaste that doesn't have a strong flavor to it, even that should be avoided, but it is allowed. As long as you wash out everything properly afterwards and there's not really anything left over, it's allowed. But better to be avoided. You should just use siwak and things like that. But if you really need to, it is allowed, but with extra caution. But if it's a severe type of taste to it, some of these really strong mint and this and that flavor, you shouldn't really use them because you're going to get all that taste in your mouth and then you're going to swallow the taste and everything. What taste? In that case, don't use the toothpaste in the first place. Use siwak instead. Or use some no-flavored, no-frills toothpaste. Ah. Anything else? No, no. Don't use the mouthwash when you're fasting then. Don't use the mouthwash when you're fasting. Get the siwak. That's enough. All day use the siwak. Keep your mouth... Clean. Number, uh, this is still in number three. Number three was about eating and drinking. Number three also, taking injections that have nutritional value to them. Injections that have nutritional value. Certain types of injections, they give you some energy. They have certain levels of whatever they have in them that have nutritional value. Give you some energy from them. Those types of injections break your fast. You can't take any type of injection that gives you nutritional value. If it doesn't give any nutritional value at all, it's determined as completely non-nutritional, no energy from it, etc., whatever, that type of one would be allowed. But the ones the scholars say you can't take are any type of injection that gives you a nutritional value from it. Mm. Wait, we'll come to the bleeding everything. He's stepping ahead. So, the next one is... The blood, the injections of blood. Imagine now, doctor says, I need a sample of blood. I need to take your blood out. Does that break your fast or not? No? But remember, fasting is broken in two ways. It is broken by taking stuff into your body and it can be broken by taking stuff out of your body. The release of seminal fluid 
is taking stuff out of your body. We're going to come on to it later. If you make yourself vomit on purpose because your stomach's really hurting and everything from fasting, and you make yourself vomit, that's taking stuff out of your body and it breaks your fast. So breaking your fast is two things actually. Taking things into your body and taking things out of your body too. So blood now, taking blood out of your body, does it break your fast or not? You're going to tell the doctor it breaks my fast so I don't want to do it. So you can get away. Do it next month instead. It depends on the amount of blood. Some of the scholars, they say, if it, like Sheikh Ozan, he says if it's a small injection, they just need a small sample, that doesn't break your fast. But if it's a large sample, big needle, they need to take loads out. Mm. If they need to take a lot out, then a Sheikh Ozan and others, they say that breaks your fast. Because what's the problem with taking a lot of blood out? It reduces your energy, you're going to be weak, imagine a big blood transfusion they have to take out or something That day, all day you're going to be in bed, no energy left in your body That is something which is not suitable for when you're fasting When you're fasting you need to save every bit of energy you've got You can't be releasing these blood and other things from your body, reducing your energy even more So some of the scholars say if it's a big sample they need to take out, that breaks your fast But a small sample, that's no problem, it's okay Why would people book their appointments in Ramadan? Because sometimes that's the only time a person is very ill. Doctor says you need your appointment this month. You need to check your blood straight away. It could be something dangerous. You never know. Could be lots of reasons. A syringe probably is considered a small amount. Those normal small thin syringes, that's not really much. That's not considered a large amount. But if you had maybe those big thick syringes, that's taking something a bit more reasonable now, then maybe you're bordering onto that level. But small syringes, a small sample they often take, that isn't a big deal. Oh. Oof. Inhaler. If you got asthma or other things and you need to use the inhaler does it break the fast no anybody it does it's going into your body it doesn't because you need it Which letter Mufti said you can't? Depends how many? How many puffs it takes? This is your third answer now. What is it? Go on. Changing a fatwa. Fi qawlihi al-awwal wa fi qawlihi al-thani. Okay. Most of the scholars, there may be some, like you said, I haven't come across it. Most of them say, Sheikh Bin Baz, Sheikh Ahmed Al-Najmi, Sheikh Al-Uthaymeen, most of the modern day scholars who've come across this thing, they say it is allowed. Asthma inhalers are allowed. 
Sheikh Ahmed al-Najmi, on one occasion, he was asked this question. He said to the person, bring me your inhaler, let me see it. Sheikh Ahmed al-Najmi, somebody came to him and said, inhalers, can I use them or not? He said, show it me. So the person went and got the inhaler and came to the Sheikh. The Sheikh got the inhaler and he started using the puffs on his hand to see what comes out. Started doing it on his hand a few times. Checked it and obviously it's just like air. There's nothing really there. Even on your hand you're not going to get a big cloud of uh, any, any kind of nothing. You're not going to get much. It's just air basically. So the Sheikh, when he checked it like that and he saw what comes out, he said, that does not appear to be nutritional for the body in any way. There's hardly anything there. It's just air basically. So he said the fatwa is, as other scholars say, that it is allowed. You can take those inhalers. They are not something which constitute food and drink. They are not something which make up food and drink. You have your inhaler, you're not suddenly going to feel full. You're not suddenly going to feel like your hunger's gone away. It doesn't... It's not food or drink or in the anything which constitutes or anything which resembles food or drink. So most of the scholars, they say inhalers are allowed. You can use them when fasting. Last question, we're going to have to stop today. Go on. What about if you like what? Uh-huh. A nosebleed, does that break your fast or not? A nosebleed could be a lot sometimes as well, bigger than the big needle even. Does that break your fast or not? You ask the yes, aluhu wa yusaddiqu. Depends on how many what? Then it does. Uh huh. So it depends on the blood, huh? automatic uh-huh nosebleed mm-hmm. normally a nosebleed a nosebleed that happens I mean it just happens it's not like you've done something it just happens a nosebleed doesn't break your fast that's not something you've done on purpose or anything it just starts bleeding you're making wudu you move it and it starts bleeding a nosebleed doesn't break your fast even Imagine you're riding your bike outside, you're riding your bike, you've taken the stabilizers off for the first time. And you're riding without your extra wheels and you fall down, you smash open your knee and a huge amount of blood comes out. Breaks you fast or not? Big blood, you you crash everywhere, bro, here, here, it's all coming out, blood. Broken you fast or not? That's a lot, a lot more than nosebleed. So again, the scholars, they say that was not of your choosing. You didn't choose to crash and bleed out everywhere. So when that happens, it doesn't break your fast. You have an accident. La qaddar Allah, you have a car accident and a huge amount of blood goes out. It doesn't break your fast. Something that was not of your intention doesn't break your fast. We'll stop there. Make a note on that point. Keep that in your mind. We'll carry on with it from next week, inshallah, from that point. Next week at 6.30 p.m. Next Saturday, 6.30. Go on. Pregnancy isn't a quick question. Pregnancy, there's lots of differences of opinion about it. What a woman has to do. Basic two opinions are that if a woman is pregnant, she doesn't have to fast. 
if some scholars say there is a threat to her baby, if some scholars say there's a threat to her baby and her, if some scholars say there is no threat, she's pregnant, she doesn't have to fast. So if you're pregnant, doesn't automatically mean you can miss. There are differences of opinion between the scholars. Then if you do miss, there's differences of opinion about what you have to do afterwards. Some of them say you just got to make up the days. Others say no, you just got to feed for every day. That's a big topic. There's a lots, lots of issues on that. Inshallah, if we get around to it, maybe we'll do something. Breastfeeding, same thing. Breastfeeding, the scholars say, if you fear that the milk may dry out if you fast, then you don't have to fast. You can carry on breastfeeding. And then afterwards, you can make up those days. So it's allowed to miss for that if you fear for the baby, etc., the milk running out, etc. All right, we'll carry on next week, 6.30, inshallah.